Another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment. I am Bruce Wozniak talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Do please stay connected. You can write to podcast at nhte.net or instead of email, you are welcome to DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Anything and everything to do with this podcast or the entertainment industry itself, I look forward to hearing from you. Joining me today on location at the NAMM Show in Anaheim, California, my guest is a singer, songwriter, and guitarist who is originally from New York. He has overcome two near-death experiences to become an award-winning frontman who has an eight-octave range with the ability to hold notes for over a minute. His YouTube videos have amassed over five and a half million views, and he has had a song chart on the top 20 in the rock category, number 14 specifically, and he has charted on the Global Hot 100, number 78 has been seen on Fox, NBC, ABC, and The CW. He has performed at festivals that have included Machine Gun Kelly, Fall Out Boy, and Greta Van Vliet. He recently signed a licensing and publishing deal that will put his songs on television and in movies. I've been hearing a song of his called Varlet. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Julian Karens. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, uh, before we dive into all that you're doing, all that you have done, share with the audience all about that song, Varlet. Uh, I wrote it in a couple minutes. It's just like a stream of consciousness thing. It came together pretty quickly, melodically and harmonically, and then I just took a poem that I wrote already, and I just took it and pasted it onto the melody. But since I was talking over it and the audience couldn't hear the lyrics, what was the poem about? What is the song about? What is Varlet? Uh, it's just about, um, yeah, like the, the sinking feeling of loneliness and depression and, you know, how hope and love can feel like phantoms at some points in your life. And that, uh, yeah, just all about that feeling of, you know, black masses gathering gravity in my fathoms. It's just about, you know, that feeling that everything is just like sucked inward and lost because of the trials and tribulations of life. And, it's a song about getting that feeling out pretty much through aggression and it's like angry sadness. <laughs> well, I like to think of myself as something of a wordsmith. And by the way, I don't mean wordsmith, who was a past guest, an interview that was recorded at NAM. But what is varlet? I've never heard that word before. Uh, a varlet is like a helper, like an acolyte, like somebody or like a, yeah, like anybody that assist something else like if you're a varlet to someone you're like a, a helper to them basically okay mm. okay well you dedicated that song to your favorite painter help me out with the pronunciation of this one leonid leonid afromov afromov yeah he's like a post-impressionist painter that i love a lot his paintings bring me to tears well the artwork for that song and its music video as well as your latest merch are very much in his style did he create it before his passing or was it created in his style by someone else it was created in a style by someone else. So uh, Kyle Monroe is a graphic designer. He does stuff for like you know pop celebrities and stuff like that, like Justin Bieber. But um, I conscripted him to come and do this thing that's like Loving Vincent. It's like there's a movie where every frame is a handmade oil painting, and I wanted to kind of adapt that in Leonid's style after he passed because his paintings had a huge impact on me. And 
we took just a rendering, you know, AI, uh, and we used that to apply the special effect of his art style over what was already, like, pre-shot against the green screen and whatnot. So, yeah, it was made by one person in a couple months, and we just wanted to have that, like, hand-painted for every frame effect. But you said he has done work for, did you say Justin Timberlake? Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber, I'm yeah. sorry. So how do you find someone that has worked with someone that's an A-lister? How did you get in touch with him? How did you get the opportunity to have him work with you? Uh, it was through my videographer, Tom Flynn. He does stuff for like Netflix. And, like he, he did like the a couple like stand-up specials for Netflix. He does a bunch of like A-lister to, A-listers as well, like... Um, He's done a Lamb of God. It was a music video that I was in with him, and and he assisted me with reaching out to a graphic designer who could pull off what I needed. So, yeah, and he's done like stuff for the Super Bowl too. So, he's got everybody in his pocket that I would ever need. Well, I said in the intro that you are originally from New York, but are you still there? Yeah, I live in Lake Ronkonkoma. And so these other folks that you're talking about that are working with you on these projects, are they in New York also? Or is it a case of nowadays, Bruce, it doesn't matter where they're based because we can all do everything remotely? Uh, Yeah, everything is kind of done remotely. I mean, Kyle moved recently. I don't know exactly where he lives, but uh, Tom lives in New York. I live in New York. My production people live in New York at uh, Voodoo Studios out in Port Jefferson on Long Island which is like a landmark studio. They do mixes for like Lamb of God. They've done, they've had like Netflix come in too. And like, they also do like uh covet Yvette Young who frequents Nam here uh, almost every year, except for this year. I think she's giving a speech at an award ceremony. There's plenty more with Julian Karen's on the way, but first I have to continue to share my excitement with you over something new that I have here. I mentioned on last week's episode that I had posted an unboxing video on the watch NHT YouTube channel from when I received the Vocaster from Focusrite. They just launched that last month. That's how new this unit is. You don't have to be a techie and really into gear to use this audio interface for your podcast recording. I got mine up and running thanks to Easy Start, which Focusrite provides to automatically take you on a journey to get you using your Vocaster as quickly as possible. I was also then playing around with the Enhance tool which gives you three podcaster-approved voice presets to bring out the best in any voice. Next week, I'm heading to the Lake Martin Songwriters Festival in Alabama, and I will be taking the Vocaster with me, thankfully, since it's extremely portable. It's not some massive, heavy piece of gear that you set up in a recording studio and hope you don't have to move anytime soon. That means you can record with it at home and then unplug it and take it with you so you don't have to learn two pieces of gear. There's lots more to see, so go to my show website, nhte.net, and tap or click on the Vocaster ad. It's in the right-hand column on desktop or scroll way down on mobile to find it just below the social media icons. If you're receiving the weekly e-newsletter, by the way, the ad with that link is in there too. Plus, I even put the link in the description for the unboxing video on YouTube. Go take a look now at the brand new Vocaster from Focusrite. Well, folks, I should keep track of this. I should know this. I don't know if the audience knows after me doing this show every week for more than eight years. But I have gone through two open heart surgeries, two strokes, a motorcycle accident. I had COVID very bad last year. And that pales in comparison to what I'm about to tell you. This is absolutely crazy what Julian has undergone. So you had some pretty serious health challenges about 10 years ago 
where doctors gave you just months to live. You couldn't use your voice. You were mute for years. And then somewhat recently, you had COVID twice, almost dying from three the second times. bout with it three times. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So just talk about enduring all that as well as how these challenges, near-death experiences, perhaps have influenced you and your music. Uh, I have an appreciation for life more, and I don't take anything for granted. Uh, yeah, I had a hiatal hernia for years from a demolition job, and I was lifting you know weight that was too much, like these cast iron boilers that were like thousands of pounds with mm -hmm. a little hand truck. Um, when I was 19, and yeah, I got a hernia, and it stayed for years. Doctors couldn't find out what was wrong with me, and uh, because of that, it perpetuated for years, and I had Barrett's esophagus, which is a condition that um, precedes throat cancer. And so, yeah, I couldn't speak. I was in pain all the time. I was always, you know, retching, and I was finally able to get financial aid and get the surgery that I needed, which is a nascent fundal application, and I was able to recover my voice. My voice changed. I had, like, strictures and scars on my esophagus, so my vocal elasticity changed, my range changed, and, like, I had all these, like, new resonances and stuff. Like, I could sing polyphonics, like, full chords after that, and and through, like, yeah, more range than a piano, which I never had access to before, so it, like, changed something in the shape of my vocal cords, which gave me, like, a, this upper and lower access I never had before. So... Yeah, it's just also through training I was able to achieve that, but it affected my writing, it affected, you know, a lot of the themes are like uh, loneliness and, and impossible obstacles to overcome to reach something that you feel inside of you is your destiny in a way, even though I don't really fully believe in that, but yeah, that's where it all has its influence. Well, and I think it's an amazing story that you go through something that's that bad and you're so worried and you hear gloom and doom from the doctors and yet on the other side of it, you not only come out well, but you come out where you go, I can actually do more now vocally than I was able to yeah, do before. <laughs> yeah, I think about that a lot. Um, yeah, and the COVID, like I, I've caught every strain so far because I travel all the time, mm -hmm. even with like masking and vaccinations and like you know recent testing. There's always a chance that something slips through, and yeah, three. I've I've caught every strain, so it's like it's like Pokemon, like gotta catch them all. <laughs> <laughs> and I absolutely almost died when I had the Delta, and um, yeah, I mean that that was like more of an acute thing, so it didn't really have like a long-lasting impact on me or, or influence m my music in any way, but it definitely sucked. <laughs> Yeah, and I know that I've talked to one or two others who have said that all of a sudden you look at life a lot differently in terms of our mortality, whereas I think for a songwriter it's kind of something that, oh, sure, let's think about that, maybe let's do a song about that, but to, to write from the standpoint of, no, this is firsthand, and I went mm -hmm. through this experience myself, like these words are as real as they're going to get. As, yeah. you know, as much as a songwriter can write something that you say, well, this is pretty impactful, when it's something that you've actually gone through, it's like, okay, Julian is writing about something he lived, not about something that he can imagine. Yeah, it's like first-person storytelling. Yeah, uh, I was, like, basically in bed for, like, two or three years just watching the Travel Channel and living vicariously through other people mm. traveling the world and whatnot, so I couldn't really talk. I had a little notepad, or, like, I'd use a phone, and I'd write notes to people and give them, or, like, talk to them. I even, like, started making jokes that way, but... Yeah, it it was a couple years that went by, and because you know the U.S. healthcare system, I wasn't able to qualify for health coverage. My parents weren't insured at the time; uh, they were on Medicare, so I couldn't get under them and their benefits. 
And uh, yeah, I had to apply for financial aid, and I was so very lucky to get it. But during the time that you couldn't use your voice, were you still songwriting anyways? Were you mm -hmm. still playing at least and saying, well, I can still play the guitar, I can't sing, yeah. but I can at least keep myself involved in music to some extent or mm. I know maybe during COVID it might have been because I know for myself personally when I went through COVID and I've talked to others who have experienced this symptom as well there's just this phase that you go through where you have absolutely no interest no enthusiasm in doing anything other mm. than sleeping yeah it's really debilitating I mean uh, this might be like too much information but I, I had like nosebleeds every morning I'd wake up from like the acid getting into my vocal cords and even my nostrils like I'd mm. wake up like stuck to my pillow with wow. blood and it was just a daily thing like your body's a prison and you, you yeah I just tried to write a lot but eventually it, I started having like tendinopathy and like micro cuts in my tendons because I was malnourished a lot and uh, yeah I had like tendon injuries from playing guitar too much and like typing too much because mm. that was my mode of communication but yeah I, I shedded guitar as much as I could and and I got my chops up that way and then after the after the the GERD and the, the hernia was repaired and whatnot I had to like rehab my voice and I was I just watched like bel canto videos like Pavarotti and um, different opera singers replacement how to like have space and get the most out of your voice with the least amount of effort so it wouldn't like further the injury and so sort of like a process of elimination of things I shouldn't do in recovery. And folks, this is where I am required by podcast law to send you back to episode 333 of the show, <laughs> my interview with countertenor Terry Barber, and he talked a lot about some of the stuff that Julian is referring to, so I'll put a link on the show page for this episode at nhte.net so you can go back and listen to my conversation with Terry. I wonder, the songwriting that you have always done has it always been by yourself, or is it... I usually co-write, and in these circumstances, I wasn't able to, and so I had to write by myself. Uh, yeah, that definitely at first, but I, I still write by myself today. Um, and uh, the only time I've ever written collaboratively was with uh, my music manager's daughter and with uh, Broadway playwright and uh, Disney composer Mark Schoenfeld, who we wrote a song recently. Um, specifically for the purpose of being like you know licensed for films and TV and that kind of thing, and to shop around to his his label friends. Uh, but yeah, it's always like a process that I just go through by myself. It's like a like I said, it's like a stream of consciousness thing. I, my brain sees music as like a puzzle and like shapes and like colors. Like um, it's kind of like a synesthete thing where the, like you see it in like specific colors and shapes and you don't really, I don't really see it in like sounds or hear mm. it in sounds it's like just like pieces that fit together and my brain makes sense of the information in like a couple minutes and this is, this is the with the song that I wrote for Mark he was like be naked do it now just right now like be, you know be raw and I wrote a whole song like start to finish in front of him like in like three minutes wow and, yeah like just letting your hands go letting your voice go and trusting yourself and your instincts of where to place and even like lyrically I had to improvise lyrics and stuff and then we kind of chopped away until we got to the to the statue and the marble so at what age did you first start writing songs and then at any point along the way did you ever have any kind of songwriting education so to speak uh i started when i was like five or six like i picked up my dad's guitar pretty early on and I learned some like Led Zeppelin licks and stuff like that. <laughs> like I, I learned since I've been loving you, that was the first thing that I learned. And um, yeah, I just listened to records and mime what I heard, and and I was able to 
match what I heard really well. I had this like kind of like mockingbird quality with the voice mm. and guitar, and um, yeah, that was where it started. I didn't have uh, any notion of what I sounded like because I was able to just like sound like the people I was listening to. So I was just like, well, what do I sound like? <laughs> so yeah, but I've been writing since I was a little kid. Lyrics, poetry, books, music, all, all that kind of thing. At any point along the way, did you ever get, whether it was songwriting training from a course or from another songwriter, did you get guitar lessons? Because it sounds like you're saying that vocally, yeah, eventually after all the health stuff, you did go through some training or some therapy. But on the guitar and the songwriting side, was there ever any kind of formal education or was that all just self Initiated. No, everything for everything, voice and guitar. So yeah, I just learned by listening to records and just doing what I heard. That was it. So yeah, I I um there's like an opera singer did like a reaction video to one of my festival performances and and uh yeah, she's like, You're an alien <laughs> But it's because I just yeah, I just did things through trial and error over time and was able to extend my range and mixed voice and all that stuff to get the high notes and, and, and that kind of thing and whistle voice, flageolet. Uh, but I just learned through mimicking. Um, I did learn how to read music in school. Like I learned how to you know make scores and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But that's pretty much it. I, I, don't, I don't have any kind of like formal guitar voice training. Wow. And I recommend that people do get it because I, could, probably, couldn't, I probably could have gotten as good as I am in half the time with proper education, ah. tutelage, and just not doing things in the wrong okay. way jaw tension, tongue tension, singing from your throat, and the things I learned are unlearned over time. Interesting. So what you were referring to earlier was simply therapy coming out of all the health challenges that you had. It wasn't actually vocal no, training. It wasn't it wasn't anything actually. I just I did kind of exercises at home and, you know, things to rebuild my voice and like recover from the damage. It was mostly just rest and, and recovery and then after that just like learning how to like place properly amazing amazing you made a ukraine edit of your all my loving cover to raise funds for disaster relief the video was supposed to be going to paul mccartney first tell the audience about making that cover but then secondly did you get it in front of paul mccartney and if so how uh mark schoenfeld is friends with dave pensato and dave pensato knows paul mccartney i actually met dave yesterday and i was like hey mark says hi and he was just like you know mark <laughs> <laughs> uh and uh yeah so that's just wrapped that just finished editing and now they're uh sending it over his way and also there's another uh producer uh dave khan david khan who um also works with Paul McCartney, is actively working with him on a project, and uh, my music manager knows him, and then she's gonna also going to send it to him, so it's going to get it from two, from two <laughs> different directions. But, so, yeah, is, so. The, is the Ukraine edit, it's different from whatever your initial cover, All My Loving cover was? Yeah, because uh, Mark thought lyrically that it lended itself, you know, All My Loving to you, uh, for the Ukraine to send not only love, but obviously, like, charitable donations their way, and and uh, that's the plan anyway, so we're in the process of executing. Mark is sending it over to Dave and um, also to Mark Jackson, who's like a music um, publisher for like Netflix and TV commercials, film, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's basically the plan of attack here. And Julian just mentioned a name that coincidentally also happens to be a past guest on this show, Dave Pensato, and that was another one that I recorded at a past NAM show, so I will also put a link on the show page for Julian's episode 
at nhte.net to the conversation that I had with Dave Pensado, so you can go back and listen to them. Uh, you've mentioned his name a couple times, but but let's dig into this a little bit. You're working with Broadway playwright, Disney composer, filmmaker, and major label slash Hollywood pitchman Mark Schoenfeld on new music as well as various other opportunities. How did you get connected with him in the first place? And just elaborate a little bit more about what this collaboration looks like between you and he. Uh, my music manager, April Maysfield, is uh, friends with him, basically. like He's like a talent scout for major labels um, and uh, for Hollywood for like acting opportunities and things like that. And uh, yeah, she put me in contact with him, and then I had a Zoom call with him, and then he wanted me to like just sing for him and sing anything, sing me something now. And, and I sang him... Uh, couple of my songs and like the all my loving cover and like he really took to everything so he yeah he wants to push everything to his friends and he has contacts in the industry going back like 30 40 years old wow from, from like uh uh like michael jackson's manager all the way up to like lady gaga and and uh yeah so he's very you know in the mix and so he said that he really likes what I do and he wants to help push it to his people his friends so yeah that's how that came to be don't forget your new friend Bruce Wozniak from now here this entertainment <laughs> when you're the <laughs> a-lister that everyone's because I'll be coming back for an, another interview with you we'll but, do you it know, but you know for anyone in the audience Julian who is an aspiring performer that is fortunate enough to get that kind of opportunity were you nervous having that zoom quote-unquote audition with him and yeah, you know what advice do you have in terms of someone going into a situation like that, an opportunity with a talent scout or whatever their formal title is? Uh, Just be yourself. Uh, Mark has a great story about um, Capitol Records. There was somebody who was scouting for songwriters, and he was in a line queued up with so many talented guitarists and singers, and he's just like, I don't have this, I don't have this, I can't do it, I can't do it, everyone's better than me. And the guy was just tossing people out after like 15, 20 seconds, get out, I don't like it, get out, I don't like it. And Mark came in with something very raw and honest, and he's not like the most technical singer or guitarist, but the guy loved what he did, and then he just told everybody else, okay, that's it, that's everybody else is cut, and Whoa. the slot's been filled, so... wow. Yeah, just be yourself. And Mark also um, has a, an endorsement from Cat Stevens because uh, Wild World, uh, Mark did a cover, he did an arrangement of it that's a little more down-tempo and like acoustic. And Cat Stevens told him that he liked his version of Wild World more than his own. <laughs> so Mark has an ear, and he's he's very talented. He's, very, he's a very brilliant lyricist. And that's where things are focused in Broadway. It's like m- more about what you're saying than how you're singing it. Mm, nice, nice. I'm joined today on location at the NAM show in Anaheim, California by Julian Cairns. Visit his official website at juliancairns.com. I will put a link to his website on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. On his website, you will see icons to connect with Julian on Facebook and Instagram. You can also click over to his YouTube channel to see the videos I mentioned in the intro getting millions of views. From juliancairns.com, you can also find a direct link to his music on Spotify, Plus, Julian is on TikTok as well. Be sure to follow him as well so that you'll know where and when he will be playing live. Are you receiving the weekly e-newsletter? It has information about the latest podcast episode and other notable goings-on. Plus, there are oftentimes exclusives in there that only people who get that are seeing first. Just go to the podcast website, nhte.net and put in your email address. 
And yes, you really will only get an email from Bruce each Wednesday. That's it. No spam. Sign up now for free and stay up with everything going on with the show and more. It's fast and easy at nhte.net. Julian, you have played across the U.S. and even internationally, including Peru, Australia, England, and maybe leaving some places out. Hmm. Talk about those opportunities to travel and perform all over the world. Oh, it's beautiful. I love playing all over the world and discovering new places and people. I love the crowds in South America and Europe. Uh, Australia is beautiful. Japan. Um, everywhere. I mean, there's always something to be experienced and something to be learned. So I'm very happy to have the opportunity to travel and do what I love and to meet people that love what I do and to talk with them directly and that the music helps them that's pretty much it it's a good feeling are you when you're traveling internationally is it well look if I'm going to go as far as leaving the United States it's got to be a certain type of venue or is it hey if someone will have me I'll go anywhere yeah I mean like I don't really like if it's 20,000 people or two people you know put on the same show so if it's like a festival gig or if it's like a you know a something small at a, like a small club venue I love intimate shows I love big shows too because the energy is really unmatchable it's like a great feeling but when it's uh, like a small venue you have that intimate setting and you can kind of meet everybody and you know talk to them afterwards at like the merch counter or whatever and yeah I just love it all I love playing for people I'll play for one person I'll annoy somebody singing in a car <laughs> you know like I don't really care it's just like what I do it's kind of a natural thing but explain this to me and the audience from a performer standpoint, being on stage. On episode 434 of the show, my guest was Blue Foley, who talked about the Nashville Knights event that he's putting on in Denmark. And he said that people in Denmark don't really know about country music and the way it's known here in the United States. It's very different to them. Mm -hmm. And similarly, I have always made no secret about the fact that my all-time favorite band is Rush. And when Rush played in Rio the crowd was actually singing along with an instrumental. And so I wonder mm -hmm. when I hear these types of things, like as a performer on stage, what is happening that you can come back to someone like me and say during an interview, the crowds are very different in Europe because, the crowds are very different in South America because, like what do you experience differently from the stage that doesn't make them better or worse than the United States, but that you see like, wow, they're a lot different here. Uh, I think it's the culture. It's in, uh, endemic to the culture of the region. Like um, people in South America are very open and helpful. Like if you're stuck on the side of the road, they'll, you know, they'll put a winch in your car and they'll pull you and they'll help you without any question. Here, you could be like set on fire, and if you're in New York and nobody's gonna stop, like <laughs> it's just like get out of my way, stop being on fire in my way. But yeah, it's just whatever like the culture of the region is, and it obviously affects. A congregation of people because they're all members of that same culture in that same region and yeah like in South America I so said those are like probably some of my favorite crowds in like Brazil and stuff like that because they get really involved and even if they don't like know the lyrics or how to say it properly they'll still like sing along and it's just a really beautiful thing uh, crowds in like the UK are a little more reserved I've noticed just in my own experience like that quiet desperation of English culture <laughs> um, and uh, in America it's like a it's like a hodgepodge of different types. I mean, out in the West Coast, maybe people are a little bit more open, but New York is beautiful, too. There are a lot of really wonderful shows that I've played there, but crowds are a little more reserved, in my experience, than in, like, say, South America or even, like, uh, Japan. Japan, 
I didn't expect it, but they they went like crazy. It was awesome. Wow. Yeah, they get very they're very engaging. But I want to go back to what you said about the UK and that you said, you know, they're very reserved. And I wonder, did any the very first time you ever went there, did mm-hmm. anyone prep you and say, look, just so you know, they're not not enjoying your music. They're just very because I'm thinking about you stepping on stage and here you are doing your show and you're like, what the heck? These people aren't into it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's kind of the thought that I had at the time. And they they just told me that, you know, they'll they'll clap and they're, you know, maybe they enjoy the performance, but they do it in like more of a reserved way, at least at the venues that I, that I played at. Um, and <laughs> I, I guess, yeah, it's like part of the culture. They love dry humor. They love, reserve, re, you know, being reserved in humor and, and whatnot. So it just, I guess it expresses itself too when they attend a live concert. I'm laughing because I can picture you kind of, you know, meeting some of the people after the show and they're like, man, that was great. Julian, you're awesome. And you're going, really? Yeah. <laughs> you really thought that? <laughs> I, I didn't feel that. You had a good time? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the thing. Like, some people came out to me afterwards, like, this song helped me get through the death of a family member or something. Mm-hmm. And there were even people who, like, cried and stuff like that that I didn't notice. But uh, when they came out to me afterwards, only when they came out to me afterwards to talk about it. But, you know, very reserved, very reserved. And I, I always, like, if the lights aren't blinding my face, I can always see what people are feeling and how they're responding to the music. And, you know, I kind of adjust my set list based on the, the temperature of the room. And... Uh, that is something that there I just played a lot of like ballads and stuff like that. I didn't do anything like crazy, like you know, Varlet's like a rock tune, alt rock tune, and I didn't play that one. I played stuff that was like a little more reserved, kind of like cocktail party vibe. <laughs> I know it doesn't pay the bills, but does it mean almost as much as the paycheck when somebody does come up to you at the end of the show and they've got tears in their eyes or they're telling you that that song meant so much to me because? insert scenario here yeah that's that's the thing that i live for i mean like money is great that you know you live off of it you know it's it it accesses opportunities you can help people with it uh i don't think money is the root of all evil i think people are the root of all evils and money is just a tool it's a means to an end so um yeah that that part is good to sustain myself but the emotional response and people being helped by music as i've been helped by music they feel like a catharsis or peace or they're able to get through a really hard life event like that makes it all worth it all the struggle all the waiting in the hotel (laughs) all the jet lag there's a name you mentioned before you signed a sync licensing and publishing deal with music supervisor mark jackson as a result your music is going to be on netflix and films television trailers commercials have you had any songs placed yet And, and you know is there anything specific that you're hoping for from this deal or is it just any and all placements yeah, it's like any and all placements. Like we're, I'm have to. I still have to shop the original and also the Beatles cover to him via Mark. And Mark, you know, is like he reached out to him like yesterday, I think. And so he's going to get back to me about it. And we'll see. It's really just a matter of like having the right project at the right time. It doesn't immediately mean that your stuff is going to be licensed for something. It just like they they have your catalog and they'll use it whenever they find something right for it. So that's basically it. And uh, yeah, maybe like some trailers or something that they, they, they said and. Uh, possibly some netflix projects but um yeah that's that's pretty much it for that we're just kind of seeing what they like and you know they have access to the catalog if they need it so is this a, a new this is a recent development and you haven't had anything placed yet uh, yeah starting this into is, this? i had a couple calls with him and you know he offered me like a 70 30 split like i get 70 he gets 30 which is wonderful normally it's less than that and uh 
yeah, he was very positive about the music and the fact that I was writing with Mark and that he knew that we would produce something that you know, he would he could use and that he liked and and uh, Mark Schoenfeld already told me that you know he feels that with the way that we wrote the material that Mark's really going to take to it and so I'm in the process of seeing if that's the case. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. You're also working on a duet and music video with YouTuber Rebecca Moore. How did you get connected with her? Is is the song out yet? Tell the audience about the music video. Has it has already been filmed? Uh, yeah, it's been filmed. And it's been edited by Kyle Monroe, uh, the graphic designer I told you about. And uh, yeah, that's uh, she did like a reaction video to one of my festival performances, and then I was just like, hey, thank you. Like I watch your channel and I enjoy your content, so thanks for you know doing a reaction to one of my sets and. We just hit it off, and you know she really likes what I do, and I, I enjoy her uh, voice and her musicality as well. So yeah, we, I, I wrote a song, and then she did her own like a uh, second verse, and then like joined me in the second chorus and kind of a thing. Also the outro too. So yeah, she has her big moment, and um, yeah, Kyle was in the process of moving for a while and going through some family stuff. Uh, he discovered his birth parents, so it was like a whole you know a hold got put on it. But yeah, it should be out like soon. I have an LP too of like ten songs. That's one of the songs, and we do a duet version together of that song. It's called Well Wishing, and uh, it'll be out uh, probably within the next couple of months or so. So I know that reaction videos are big on YouTube. I take it that when you say she did a reaction video, it was on YouTube. Yeah, it's like a vocal breakdown analysis kind of a thing. And like, oh, he's doing this and this here, and he's uh, the, the chest voice here, and the full voice, mixed voice, and like he's, he's engaging his head voice here. Stuff like that. She did like an analysis of a. Uh, it was the first festival I ever played at a uh, Great South Bay Music Festival on Long Island uh, back in 2018. So I feel like since we're at NAM, I should ask you, even though this is really software, not hardware, gear related, but what were the mechanics of you and she collaborating on this music video that we're talking about? How did you do that? Re- I assume it was remotely or yeah. Okay. It was during the pandemic. So she shot her parts in the UK. I shot my parts here in the US. And then I had my videographer and um, the graphic designer do the special effects and everything and then link the two and they made sure to like shoot both with the same camera and like kind of wow. light, light things in the same way and wow. have like the green screen behind her and I in like the same exact way and that we'd have like we'd be like equidistant from the green screen mm. and, like all this stuff so yeah it's, she's a she's really talented she's really sweet and I'm happy that we we did this together if this was a video podcast, the audience would see the reaction I was giving as you were saying all that. Who knew enough to have everything so mapped out that was, quote-unquote, directing this halfway across the world and mm-hmm. saying, like, be this many feet away, use this kind of camera? Yeah, even the lights, too, everything, light placement, um, just to make it seem like we're in the same room at the same time at certain points. And uh, it was Tom Flynn. He's my videographer. He's the guy that does, like, the Netflix stuff and everything. He's incredibly talented and... Mm has just a wellspring of knowledge and acumen regarding his craft. I mean, he's really, really talented. He started as, like, a musician, a guitarist, and then he did videos. He's just, like, skateboard videos, and he caught the attention of the head producer at Voodoo. They started working together, and then they started getting these huge clients, and, and, and yeah, the, now he's, like, he's done stuff with a bunch of A-listers. Like, he's, like, the guy to go to for a lot of them. You mentioned in there, I think you said it was called the South Bay... Great Music. South Bay Music Festival. Yeah. I'm going to make myself vulnerable here, so go easy on me if I'm wrong. But speaking of major events, did I see something on your social media? Were you at South by Southwest this year? a couple times, yeah. I played there. Like, my friend, um, who's a rapper, invited me. It was, like, a last-minute edition, and I 
played on the Ladybird stage, uh, just enjoyed the, the festival on 6th Street, and uh, went to a couple of the venues there with him, and yeah, we had a good time. Uh, so, like, it's like with Nam, I just got like a random email, just like, hey, you're invited to play, so I was like, alright. <laughs> but with South by Southwest this year, was that your first time ever going to that? No, I did it in 2018 for the first time, but it was really just like on 6th Street, I didn't actually play like the festival stages, I played like the street festival part like really four years ago, and then this year I played on uh, one of the main stages. But now, do you, do you have the appetite where you're going, I'm definitely going to be back there next year? I'll see, I mean, it's up to them. Like, <laughs> he, he really helped me out with this, and uh... Yeah, like, he, he was helping me get an article on Rolling Stone, and, and the woman who was writing the article went on maternity, and then she had, like, a health issue, and she couldn't come back, so he's like, I felt bad that this article didn't get done mm. in time, so how about I put you on South by Southwest for this year? And I was just like, yeah, absolutely, that's more than enough. Wow. You didn't have to do that, but wow. thank you. Wow. Talk yeah. about having friends in the right places. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's really wonderful. And, like, a lot of the people I know in the industry are just, they run contrary to the stereotype of, like, you know, the shark, the vampire, the person that wants to use you and throw you away. They're just, it's like a family. It's really nice to find people like that. It's really rare. Yeah, I love hearing that. Yeah. You started to mention here at NAM, you played on the Avid Marriott stage last night. Mm-hmm. How did that go for you? And, and then also the show itself, you are endorsed by Reverend Guitar Company, have you had a chance to walk the show? Maybe talk to some other companies about endorsements. Just talk about your whole time here at the NAMM yeah, show. Yeah, I mean, it was it was really beautiful. I really enjoyed playing here. And, like, uh, I I asked to, like, play on a couple of the other stages. And I was like, yeah, sure, jump in for, like, a jam and stuff like that, sing, play guitar. And uh, it was beautiful. This place is, like, very communal and open. And, um, yeah, I went to all of the booths, and I talked to their uh, artist relation people about, you know, other endorsements, sponsorships, things like that. And uh, I went, yeah, to basically all of them, like Yamaha and, and JBL, <laughs> like basically everything that is on the floor in all the buildings. I was pouring sweat yesterday, just like running all the floors. This place is gigantic. But we talked before about the nerves of getting on Zoom with Mark Schoenfeld for the first time. And so what about here? Because it sounds like you're talking about a lot of people that you might have a team, and yet unless you're not telling me, it seems like you're here by yourself for all intents and purposes. So, yeah. are you nervous? You know, what is what is your quote unquote pitch as you're walking up to some of these different Nam exhibits and telling them who you are and what you do, knowing that they're getting you're in a long line of artists who are walking up to them with their hand out saying, "Endorse me." <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I mean, like I have a, a couple contacts at Sony, and like they they also help me with like this like Nam booking thing. So I was just like, "Hey, like you know, my badge says Sony, help me out with some endorsements." <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, I, I was able to talk to them, and they were pretty receptive. And I said, like, I'm a touring singer. I'm looking to endorse maybe some upcoming runs. And, you know, do you have, like, a, a contact that I can have my team reach out to? And, like, they were all very receptive, so it was, it was lovely. It was very easy. I just said that and and just got a bunch of cards. My pocket was, like, exploding <laughs> yesterday with, like, 100 business cards. But, uh, yeah, people here are really sweet. I mean, I'm, I, I hope to come back next year. It's really beautiful here. Well, and you and I are just meeting for the first time, but, I mean, your demeanor is very welcoming in the sense of not being someone Yours who's too. walking up and saying, hey, how you doing? I'm Julian Cairns. Let me tell you all about myself <laughs> no, you know, and, and, what, and what you people should be doing for me. They're going to go, wait a minute, what? I'm going to remember your name for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
somebody who's like an opportunist. I mean, everybody in the music industry is an opportunist in a way because you have to look for opportunities in order to grow. But I just approach people like a friend, you know, like, hey, you know, I'm looking to do this thing. And like, you know, we can help you here. You can help us here. And it's like a mutually beneficial thing. So, yeah, like when people are pitched and they're just like, hi, how you doing? Like, let me tell you in the next three minutes why you should sign me or why should you endorse me. It just it's. I don't know. I've always hated that stuff. So I just approach everybody in the same way. You know, yeah. like it doesn't matter who it is. I'll talk to anybody in the same way. So what's next for you? Do you have any upcoming live shows or are you kind of just focused on these, these song placements that we talked about? Like what, what are your kind of like current goals and targets and stuff? Uh, I'm supposed to be playing at Blue Ridge Rock Festival with uh, Pearl Jam uh, come September, working on some stuff. Uh, at Gaten Matarazzo of Stranger Things. He's one of the kids on the show. His dad is like friends with Eddie Vedder and he and Gaten's also friends with uh, the senior Gaten is friends with my music manager and that they're working on like other stuff and um this uh Sam at BMI is also helping uh, she helped develop Lady Gaga and their president does booking for like um like Coachella and Lollapalooza uh I think Lollapalooza I'm not sure about Coachella but uh and they're helping me get some bookings throughout the year so yeah, it's just, just getting basically the same thing, like doing festivals mostly domestically just so we can avoid any issues internationally. Mm. If somebody gets COVID in the tour pack, you got to find a replacement for that person going there, and it's it's so difficult. So that's why I've just been doing like domestic festivals for this year. Yeah, that's smart. That's smart. Mm. I wonder, even the health issues aside, is there times when you step back and you go, my gosh, look at where I am. Look at how great things are going for my music career. And I don't mean this in a cocky way, but maybe it's kind of, well, gosh, with everything I've put into this, I would hope that I'd be seeing some results at that point. Do you ever have those moments where you kind of step outside yourself and go, my gosh, look at all that I'm doing? Yeah, it's crazy. Like when the when Varlet started charting and the, the, I cried, I mean, I, yeah, I have a very big appreciation for people being receptive to the music. And um, it's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Like I've been doing this for like four years Um maybe four years and like three months now about and uh it's a very quick progression and it's just been like a lot to take in sometimes but it is very beautiful I'm very grateful and uh you know I always want to grow and keep growing but I'm always happy to be present and to be thankful and to show gratitude to people who show up to the shows or like buy the merchandise or like people who help me with these opportunities it's I'm nothing but thankful, you know, I don't think I deserve anything, I work for everything, and, and so that's where I come from as far as my mental perspective on it, is just that I'm just thankful, pretty much. I like that. I like, I don't deserve anything, I work for everything. That That's a mm-hmm. great perspective. We didn't talk about this earlier when you were saying about being five years old and picking up the guitar, but was music kind of the dream, or is it, no, I was just a kid having fun, and I didn't know when I was five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years old that I wanted to go into music. I wanted to be Superman. I didn't, <laughs> or, or is the, you know, are you living the dream, meaning like you actually did want this for all your youth? Uh, what's funny is I actually wanted to be like an engineer, maybe like an aeronautical engineer or something. Uh, I was very into like reverse engineering tech and stuff i used to annoy my parents by like taking apart the computer and putting it back together and they hated me (laughs) justifiably because that's annoying like i want to use a computer why is it in parts on the carpet but yeah i wasn't really don't worry i'm going somewhere with this just be patient i'll have i'll play it put back together in about three days yeah i'll get you it'll be like faster processing people i'm done but um 
yeah, I I didn't really have like a clear indication that I wanted to do it. It's just something that I did. It's just like you know, kids play with building blocks. I played with music basically. It was like a t- toy for me. It was something that I was really engaged with and. Yeah, I really enjoyed doing just in my room, and then you know people started telling me it's just like you're you're good, like, and I was just like, really? I feel like I suck, and like I I kept hearing that from people about like the singing and the guitar playing, and I was like, oh, maybe I could do this professionally, and so like yeah, I just threw myself into it because I it's my biggest passion. It became that after maybe like the age of like fifteen. So cool, so cool! Wow, yeah, what love, a great story! I love what music. A great I love story. Art. We're going to close today with another one of Julian's original songs, one called Tears Can Water Roses. Julian, before I let you go and I play that track, share with the audience all about this one, if you would, please. Uh, This is a song that I wrote after... (laughs) so embarrassing to admit this. is a song I wrote after a breakup and uh, with Mark and about how uh, your tears can water roses, so with something negative, with a you know, impactful or tragic life event, you can transmute it into something good and grow something from it because there is water in your tears and that's what you need to feed the soil, you know, what it what it needs to grow the plant and you can grow something out of a tragic life event and that's what I did and like yeah, since we've gotten back together and uh, the, but it's like the first time I wrote a, a love song that was kind of like a positive thing like a breakup song it's like a with a positive message behind it and um yeah mark helped with the lyrics as well but you go to him and you say okay i'm kind of embarrassed i got this breakup song that i wrote or is it like eh, whatever like he's heard it all before like i'm not going to apologize for the idea i have i'm just going to bring him the song and we're going to do it he wanted he asked me to write the song in front of him so that was oh, the one that i wrote in front okay. of him this is a song i wrote in front of him and okay like the lyrics the melody everything kind of came together quickly in a couple of minutes and then he helped me uh to like uh, take out this word put in this word and like we're gonna like rearrange everything and yeah he's really talented and so yeah this is the product of that collaboration and oh, also frank materitono over at voodoo did a string composition for this and like a little uh keys as well outstanding Julian so great to meet you congratulations on all your success and thank you you for making time to be on now here this entertainment absolutely thank you for having me you bet you bet and with that I will wrap up another new episode of now here this entertainment my sincere thanks to singer songwriter guitarist Julian Karens do be sure to visit his official website at juliancarens.com and again I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode at nhte.net Be sure to visit his website so you can connect with him on Facebook and Instagram, as well as find his Spotify page and YouTube channel. He does post his upcoming live shows on his social media, too, which is another reason to follow him, in addition to announcements about some of the various projects that he and I have talked about today. Be sure to let Julian know that you heard him and his music on Now Hear This Entertainment. That's going to do it for episode 440. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song by Julian Karens. This is the one he just talked about. It's called Tears Can Water Roses. I see your heart broken as your tears begin to fall With time they'll dry if you do nothing at all And with your sadness there's another way Surviving that broken heart Your tears you can
Like rain, floating. 